State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Kwan. Joining me today, we have Melina Brand, Ali Gonzalez, Hello. Zachary Reinhardt, and uh, for the first time, Matthias Brimmer. Hi. Welcome, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you. Oh, I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, as we tape this, it is Friday, March 8th. Thank you so much for joining us this week. You can find us on Facebook at Michigan Progressive. You can help support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. And also we're on iTunes. So if that's how you get your podcasts, please rate and review us as it will help new listeners find our show. So we've got a lot of, a lot of things to talk about this week. Um, None of them particularly positive. There's a lot of a lot of bad shit going on. But uh, to start things off, uh, this last Tuesday, Governor Gretchen Whitmer unveiled for uh, unveiled her first state budget proposal, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding the centerpiece of said budget proposal, which is an additional 45 cents per gallon gas tax to fix uh, Michigan's roads. Uh, which would make the state's fees the highest in the nation. Now, the Detroit News uh, has calculated or estimated that for a driver in an average vehicle, racking up the average number of miles per year, this would add another $255 per year. Um, Now, Whitmer has proposed doubling the earned income tax credit for low and middle income workers to partially offset the in, the impact of the increased gas tax. Uh, but there are a lot of questions about whether or not this is disproportionately affecting uh, working people. What do you guys think? I think uh, I'm about to reach into my closet and grab my yellow vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of hurting us low-income folks, but I mean, if the Republicans didn't like fuck up the budget all these past years, then maybe we wouldn't have to do something so drastic, but yeah. it's not my favorite thing. Yeah, it's really unpopular. I don't think that there's anyone that really likes it. I know there was a local news station who um, they put a survey out that was like, do you approve of this? Do you like yeah, this? Or do you not? It. And the answer was just yes or no. And it was the people who supported the um, fuel hike was 11%. Yeah. <laughs> it was 89% and no. It's overwhelmingly unpopular right now in Michigan. Yeah, because a lot of us are, you know, poor and we don't want to have to pay extra money for for gas that going to impact us in a way that will not impact people you know who make a lot more money yeah it's definitely uh, one of the more aggressive taxes uh that you can um implement and uh it's really unfortunate i mean the, we also have political realities that we have to kind of work with and the sad reality is, is that she has a republican um house and uh senate and they're not going to pass anything like what we need in terms of taxing businesses like it should be right um the only thing they're interested in and barely honestly interested in this is a regressive tax like this so um it's unfortunate but it's also like kind of a political reality we have to kind of like put forth i know um today she kind of put out like you know republicans are already complaining about the gas tax and and her rebuttal as well what's your plan give me a plan and uh and we'll do it, and, you know, that's kind of a a good strategy in my mind because they don't really have one. Yeah. Well, one thing that I found really funny is, um, like, five months ago uh, in a gubernatorial debate uh, last October, uh, Bill Schuette 
who was running against Gretchen Whitmer uh, for governor of Michigan, claimed that she wanted to increase the gas tax by 20 cents. And she said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, it was. It was high enough. <laughs> yeah. She said, that, that's nonsense and you know it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in all fairness, oh, in all fairness, that's not what she's doing. It's 15 cents, but it's, you know, 15 cents three times within, I think it was six months. By October 2020. 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess she's technically not doing that all at once. I know that they're saying that um, it would it would cost the average Michigan, Michigan driver $23 a month, according to her administration. Um, and I think that they're trying to justify this by saying with the um, earned income tax credit, families would be getting an additional $30, but that leaves them with $7. So I'm not sure exactly how that's supposed to be a silver lining for yeah. these low-income families. So it's like, oh, the, the payoff that we're getting is going to immediately be spent on this the fuel the fuel tax mm -hmm. yeah and it's like one of those things like the earned income tax credit thing should have been done like as a standalone just because mm -hmm, like right. we already kind of need it and like now you're just kind of like undercut like you said like undercutting it basically and, and making it kind of ineffective it's just kind of do people you know stagnant and fighting like they are you know in terms of paycheck to paycheck the general yeah. principle of income tax credits as a way to offset taxes, um, especially something like this that is going to do a lot to people who aren't making very much money, is extremely unappealing to me. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, like you said, it would be a good thing to have on its own. But when you're looking at something like this, it's, you know, you're offering people pithy compensation. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely Seven dollars. Yeah. And I know that they, um, the average Michigan motorist is paying a, a supposedly $500 a month, um, or not a month, sorry, a year in car repairs because of how horrible the roads are. I 100% believe that. Um, mm -hmm. the, I remember last year on Wave, South Waverly Road in Lansing, the potholes were like bear sized, like they were so bad and people were swerving out of the way of the potholes and then hitting other, other motorists. So you got, it's kind of just one of those things where it's like, we've been complaining about the roads and Whitmer's been saying, she's going to fix the damn roads. And now she's saying she's yeah. going to fix the roads. And we're like, at what fucking cost now? Right, right. Maybe we should just fill them with sand. Yeah, just tear and, it up. yeah because it's just, it's almost like it's going to be never ending. And we're supposed to be like, you know, kind of like the our state, like the motor vehicle state, this is a big part of our economy and Michigan's history period, and bitches can't afford to drive anymore. Mm -hmm. Don't we also have the highest car insurance in the country? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Which is like just another, like, just, we have the highest uh, insurance, and then after this, we'll have the highest gas tax as well. And not just like really the highest by a few cents, yeah. but like the highest by like, 30 cents higher than like mm -hmm. any the closest competitor. Because what is it, what will it end up being? So I know Pennsylvania has the highest currently and it's uh, 58. Um, 
It was like a little over a dollar. It was like a dollar six or a dollar. It was just over a dollar. It's outrageous. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> they had like an entire different like they were. It was a color shaded mat. <laughs> we were our own color. Like, oh damn. God. Yeah, yeah, people aren't going to drive anymore. I mean, no. honestly, we should be looking into. Um, well, public in uh, public transit is going to be really popular now because people just re- are they're not going to be able to afford to to drive anymore. Yeah. So like this came out. Um, and today I tried, I walked to the local grocery store, which is like a mile away. And so I walked there and back just to see how long it would take me. It took me an hour. I'm like, this is not like if I had to carry groceries groceries in two bags, it would not be okay. Yeah. And the bus comes by maybe like once an hour ish. Yeah. It's probably more than that, but. It's, like, not okay, and you have to take into consideration that, like, there are a lot of people who are working-class people, and if they have to depend on the bus to get their groceries um, for the week, that's a lot of groceries, for one, and for two, if these people are also taking their children, it is so fucking difficult to wrangle a child in a store, but it's nice to know you're going to put them in their car seat when you put your groceries in and just drive home, but to do it on the bus is so inconvenient. I mean, people are really just going to have to start shipping their groceries using those like apps that help them to do that or they're just gonna have to start like carpooling to get groceries it just that's a fucking bleak reality honestly yeah and plus there um there are a lot of concerns there are a lot of concerns that um even if we did implement this tax which seems like will hurt working people the most um there are concerns that we that, that the roads are just going to get all fucked up again because of the impact of trucks and heavy vehicles. Uh, in fact, there's this article in the Detroit Free Press that was talking about how uh, Michigan law allows trucks weighing uh, 164,000 pounds, twice the federal limit and higher wow. than any other state allows without a special permit. Um and I mean, wonder why Aaron Rose. Like, yeah, yeah, there's no. It's, it's, is it just a coincidence that we allow such fucking heavy vehicles and also happen to have the worst fucking roads in the, in the country? Yeah, it's yeah, and I I know that they're the big thing that everyone in Michigan was talking about was um was it USA Today? They released an article and it was that Michigan had the the best drivers in the country <laughs> and now okay. there's going to be none of us <laughs> if this goes into effect we can't afford to even do that so. avoiding potholes has like made our skills yeah. <laughs> oh, avoiding driving oh, yes on, on the ice too I mean swerving out of the way of deer yeah I mean for what what was it all for <laughs> oh you're such a good driver yeah I trained in like the most rigorous state in the country <laughs> Uh, I also saw that she, I, uh, Gretchen did propose lowering the uh, weight limit for uh, trucks um, as part of uh, this as well, or at least maybe as a side tangent. I seen that uh, that was a proposal that she made. So, oh, okay. So there's progress there. She understands it's kind of a part of the problem. That's, well, that's um, good. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know about that until just now. Yeah. So it's like yeah. I, the question, I guess, then now is like, what is the um, point? Of uh, allowing these heavy ass trucks to do this, um, like what is? I mean, it's advantageous for businesses. They can cram as much as they want onto a vehicle. Right. And, you you know, should. I mean, if it's going to literally destroy the roads over probably not that much time, you should have to buy a license of some kind that could, you know, offset the, the cost of the damage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I imagine that that's not, like, a, an idea that's, like, original by any 
means. It's like, you know, all you have to do is stop and think about it for like five minutes. Oh, huh. I mean, it doesn't seem terribly controversial. No, no. no but I mean, I'm sure that uh, the Republican, Republican House and Senate is a business-killing bill. It'll yeah, kill so many businesses. That's what I thought of. Yeah, if there are any measures that inconvenience business in any way, like the Republicans are going to do their damnedest to shoot it down as quickly as possible. Oh, they wanted to, the, one of the you know counter proposals was raising the business tax, and the Republicans complained, complained. Yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder like what, what what did businesses pay recently? So I looked it up, and I mean, this is a, you know it's 2018, so it's a little dated, but I'm sure the number's still not far off. In 2016, um, businesses uh, contributed zero percent to our budget. In Michigan, um, we actually in 2016 we paid them out. We we, wow. we lost money in terms of business taxes. So oh it's like shit. so it's like you know it, it, we're not talking about crippling these businesses. We just want them to pay something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Excuse me while I vomit. Yeah, <laughs> it's not surprising when you consider that it was Snyder who was our governor. Yeah. But yeah. like Jesus Christ, no, the trifecta of Snyder and Shooty and uh, whoever was running. Yeah, my God. Yeah, well, it's, it's like uh, you know, like Amazon like made what like 11 billion dollars or something last year. They're paying literally nothing. Yeah, zero. Which zero is also, which is like also nauseating. Yeah, it makes no fucking. And then asking, you know, billions from taxpayers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they, they come to Michigan and ask Michigan for four billion dollars, and somehow our politicians could scramble up ways to find, you know, that money. But in terms of like, you know, things for like roads and schools and I don't know, clean fucking water, yeah. like we can't find the money somehow, and it's 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 disgusting. Well, um, yeah, moving on to, uh, moving on to other, uh, Michigan Democrats, uh, Dana, Dana Nessel has, uh, been doing some pretty cool stuff lately. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen, it was reported a, a little while ago that she is doing a lot of work to help dismantle the bullshit legacy of, uh, of, uh, Bill Schuette as our most recent, as our former attorney general. She withdrew the state of Michigan from a lot of different uh, federal lawsuits that we had been involved with under Bill Schuette. Just, just as some examples, she withdrew us from two cases challenging whether the Clean Power Plan, an Obama-era rule that is intended to combat climate change by restricting carbon dioxide emissions, uh, could legally restrict emissions from existing um, and new power plants. She withdrew Michigan from a case that would close Kentucky's last abortion clinic. She withdrew Michigan from a case where, so like a, a St. Louis, Missouri-based company withdrew a, jo- a job offer from someone when they discovered that the prospective employee was gay. Uh, the you know a U.S. appeals court dismissed the case on the grounds that the Civil Rights Act doesn't protect doesn't protect LGBTQ people from job discrimination. Um, Love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, Michigan had uh, joined other states in urging another circuit court not to take up the case, but she withdrew us from that. And she also withdrew us from a case that questions whether it is unconstitutional for clergy to get a tax exemption for housing. So she seems to be doing some pretty good work. Yeah, she's yeah. ass. I like the, you know, like the... Uh, the British did the the article uh, in her response um, to the progressive attorney general Dana Nessel clearly disagrees with her conservative pre- pre- predecessor Shooty, and she just says as promised. 
Yeah. Know? Which is just, like, beautiful. Like, yeah. I, it, maybe it's because politics is just so shitty, but, like, it's so refreshing to see some of these politicians get in there and just do what they say they're going to do. Like, yeah. it's just like, yeah. wow, okay, this is this is nice. Like, Yeah, she did it at such a large scale because it was, what, 12 or 13 that she had done in, was it, like, a, the span of a month? Or something like that. It was like insanely yeah. fast, and it was such a large number. And some of like when I was reading the um, the federal cases that she had with uh, withdrew us from, they were some of them were like really mundane things that I had never mm-hmm. fucking heard of. One was like um, uh, an atheist group had sued, I think, the state of Pennsylvania or yeah. a county in Pennsylvania because the um, like crest or emblem or whatever the fuck it's called of their county had um, a cross on it, and it was like a religious like like a crucifix or whatever and an atheist group had sued them and like why the fuck were we involved in this in the first place except to kind of just like flex on atheists (laughs) (laughs) it made literally no other sense why we were doing it and so I remember seeing that I was like there was no reason it's so stupid that she had to do it in the fucking first place I mean that was like Bill Shooty's whole thing is flexing on atheists and gay people (laughs) yeah and women who want fucking abortions and birth control and so, like, it was, oh, and withdrawing us from the, um, a lot of those federal cases that challenged environmental protection, the, yeah. the, the EPA was mm-hmm. another big thing that was like, we just kept attacking them. And this is a state where it's just like appalling that we would do that. Yeah. We are such a, like a, like a natural resource rich fresh water state. Yeah. You know, we're surrounded by waters. Both parts of our state are peninsulas. And it was like, nah. Fuck the environment. <laughs> We're going to challenge the EPA at every chance that we get. So I think it's awesome that she's done this because it does now, it's kind of that tangible, like, we are going in the right direction. It's, like, real now. It feels great. I think it also highlights the power of an attorney general and, um, you know, it, to a lesser extent, all of the state prosecutors in every court like they really do get to set the standard for like what they are going after, and um, Kamala Harris, how draconian they are trying to be in terms yeah. of the punishments that they dole out. Right. Uh, so, so it is great because she doesn't really have anyone who is going to tell her, "Oh, no, you can't do that. The Republicans won't vote for it." You, you know what? I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and I'm the fucking Attorney General. Yeah. So. And like she said, it's promised. Get on it. Like you said, like yeah, she did. She did what she <laughs> said she was going to do. That's what yeah. we voted and for. She it. owns it. That's like yeah. my favorite thing about Dana Nessel is like she did, she's not one of those like Democrats that like powers and fears. Like when they come after, her, she's just like, yeah, no, that's me. I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Like call me out. You're just giving me free publicity. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she uh, took up some. Uh, some other cases too. Uh, the Catholic Church thing yeah. is like, wow. Yeah, that was oh, yeah, a huge step that I haven't like. A lot of uh, um, people kind of skirt around some of those those issues, and um, she's kind of taking it like head on, which is I thought really great. Yeah, well, really it looks like uh, yeah. she is among at least fourteen attorneys general investigating or reviewing clergy abuse uh, after you know the, after a Pennsylvania grand jury. Yeah, that kind uh, of uh, started a kind of a nationwide kind of, hey, we need to really address this. I mean, it's kind of like weird, though, because I mean, like, it's like kind of been like a running joke, like in like 
pop culture kind of week. And it's kind of for like, like yeah. decades. For like decades. For decades. Yeah. And it's just kind of like been like and never really like taken seriously. And uh, it's nice to Which is just bad shit. Yeah. Just, yeah. No. And it's not like it's American. Um, it's an American only problem. Absolutely I mean, clergy not. in um, Central and South America, it's abhorrent. Like, um, child uh, sexual abuse God. there is, is terrible. Um, I think that it's um, starting to become more popular to kind of say, this isn't uh, funny to, to joke about, or this is actually like a serious problem because the Pope has finally started to... <laughs> I mean, how long has he been in the Vatican? But finally starting to be like, we got some problems mm. that need to be addressed. And it's been a long time coming, but uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he is one of the first popes that finally was like, we we have a sexual assault problem, we have a rape problem. Um, yeah, a lot of the other ones kind of like were hiding and covering for yeah. um, some of those like the bishops and things like that. And yeah, he's the first one kind of... I mean, he's definitely been, like, one of the more progressive popes. I mean, oh, yeah, as absolutely. As far as, like, progressive popes go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I, I really, you know, coming from a Catholic family, we were in a Catholic, very far leftist family. We were excited for Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was fun to see him come in. And I hope that the more that he starts to challenge the problems within the Catholic Church, more mainstream people will and will start seeing the toppling of um, the influence of church, especially, like, with Christian uh, hegemony we'll start seeing that start to topple in the country as well. Mm -hmm. Following his lead. He's going to be like, oh, you know what? We have a huge problem in the church. As it turns out, a lot of our priests are homosexuals. Uh, You know, I mean, the pedophilia thing, right? But it's boys. Can you imagine that? Yeah, they definitely, the Catholic Church has recently been using, they're just gay. That's why they're doing what they're doing, which is just throwing the LGBTQ community under the bus. Mm -hmm. It's disgusting. (laughs) So (laughs) gross. Well, you know, uh, Nessel, Dana Nessel's also, uh, overseeing some other probes and investigations. Um, she is, uh, investigating some complaints against John Getter. Yeah. who uh, owned and operated a Lansing area gym where um, Larry Nasser offered treatments. Talking about pedophiles. Yeah, speaking yeah, of pedophiles. About yeah. about <laughs> and actually, Luanna Simon is on trial for lying to, or potentially for lying to investigators about... Yeah, I heard that she had been, she'd she'd been charged, right? Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, it was, I think it was, we had, we had spoken about it um, the first time that I was on the podcast. I think that it was two misdemeanors and two felonies, and it was for um, lying to, to the police. There were a few other things, but basically it was like, what was your involvement in uh, these things. I'm, I'm happy that, like, Larry Nassar has been put away, but as at most everyone in the fucking world. Um, but I'm also happy that the issue hasn't gone away, and they're like, no, we are holding everyone accountable. Mm-hmm. It is so important that mm-hmm. everyone who helped him get, you know, access to these girls, and for so long, they all need to be held accountable, and they all need to, they need to be punished. I yeah. would love to see uh, Luanna Simon do time. Yeah, like, me too. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Locked for a host of things. <laughs> and, and to think that, um, you know, like, the week or, like, just a few days before she resigned, the, um, you know, the board of, uh, not directors, uh, 
whatever they're called. Regents? Yeah, yeah. They, like, you know, came out with that public statement. They're like, you know, we stand behind Luana. Uh, we know that this is a really horrible thing, but, uh, you know, she's a good woman. And then, you know, like, two days of, like, just virulent <laughs> assault on them. And, oh, actually, you know what? We can really just move beyond this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, the way they've handled it has been terrible. I mean, but, like, John Engler... Like, um, oh my god, the guy is not get started with Johnny. Yeah. Like, the guy, like, literally, like, was in charge of fighting a case against female prisoners who were decrying sexual abuse from the guards. And, like, he was literally the one, like, arguing the case against them. And, like, they put him on after the Nassar thing. I'm like, how fucking tone deaf do you have to yeah, be? Like, like, definition. Yeah. yeah, and then immediately afterwards, he did, and I mean, if you consider that in pure fashion, that the victims of Larry yeah. Nasser were, uh, they liked the attention that they were getting from the case. As if it's, I can tell uh, you from firsthand experience, having to tell your story in front of anyone if you have survived sexual assault is one of the worst things that you can do. And if someone ever told me that I enjoyed having to tell that story repeatedly to cops or to school officials and to my mother, oh my God, oh, it yeah. would, that is so devastating to think that he even said that it's disgusting. There was also that guy on the, uh, the board of trustees, that's what it's called. Um, <laughs> I forget his name, the older black guy who had said something about, like, one of the women, like, oh, you know, they're just, you know, chasing attention, or he, it, it was much grosser than that. Right. But it's amazing that that is, like, the narrative that is, you know, just played out again and again. Whenever, yeah. You know, like, oh. we're not getting money for doing this. Right. <laughs> I don't know what they think that we get from telling the truth and seeking out help. Yeah, like with Cosby, you know. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, they just want money. No. Yeah. No. Or even, uh, shoot, what was her name who went off on the Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah. She did that out of just, like, the bottom of her heart. There yeah. was nothing she gained from that, and people were still like, oh, she's just doing it for the attention. She yeah. just wants death threats, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Isn't that what That's what we're seeking, yeah. <laughs> fan mail. The real fan mail. <laughs> <laughs> Getting anthrax. That's great. It's what I wait for every morning. <laughs> I've always wanted a stalker. Yeah. Now I had a no, from experience, no. <laughs> I've just always wondered what it would feel like to have someone tell me that they wanted to kill me and my whole family. You're right, you're right. Just explicitly just describe how they're going to behead me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, in another... Uh, I love attention. <laughs> <laughs> you totally seem like that person. <laughs> well, in another uh, Dana Nessel-related story, it looks like um, she is working to settle 79 lawsuits filed against the state of Michigan or its employees by Flint residents. Governor Rick Snyder had previously tried to have them dismissed, but now she's she's trying to settle them. Hell yes. Um, yeah. She's trying to give those people justice. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, uh, Whitmer, you know, still has to authorize financial settlements, but, uh, yeah, it's great to see, it's great to see Dana, like, actually 
trying to pursue justice for these people, you know? Yeah, and there's not much, you know, the damage is done. It's one of those things that, you know, those children and those residents of, of Flint, those are things that they're going to deal with, those families, for the rest of their lives. The damage has been done, but it will be, it's, it's nice for them to receive justice or to see, you know, I guess like reparations at all yeah. for what, what was done to them because it wasn't their fault. Yeah. And if something happens to you that's bad, you look for justice. And so I'm happy that she is going to do it. She's not going to be, oh, the state had nothing to do with that, that we weren't responsible for that. Or, you know, that was a, that was a past, um, uh, administration, which she very easily could have done. Yeah. No, she's, she's, it's amazing what she's doing. I love to hear that. It, it's really great that, you know, these people are probably going to get compensated and hopefully a tremendous amount of money. Um, it would be even better if someone was punished. Yeah. Uh, and thus far, I saw that, like, of, like, 14 people or so that were, uh, you know, going to trial, seven have I think 15 already, people have been charged, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seven have already pleaded no contest. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's great. Reading all these articles, like, I had no idea how much power the attorney general had until I got invested with Dana Nessel like last year and now I'm like holy shit she can do so many things that I had no idea like she could do yeah same with me like, what was shooty doing just being <laughs> shitty yeah waiting to run apparently yeah, like on five hour energy commercials and shit but <laughs> <laughs> are you fucking kidding yeah no, he had like a, he, it was like a, he was doing commercials with five hour energy I like, forgot about that Do you know, like, like weird, creepy interviews where he's talking about, like, some fucking lamp or something? Do <laughs> you remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was Power weird. energy gives me the, you know, get up and go to go flex on atheists. And <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Yeah. Jesus. That's so funny. I have to YouTube that or Google it or something oh, to I find see those commercials. So Make yourself. that the cold open. <laughs> I might have to do that. <laughs> that was a really loud crack. You dropping your phone with you? Yeah. Oh, was that your phone you dropped? Yeah. Oh, Get it together over there. You know how they do, like, like Fender has, like, you know, like a Jimmy Page guitar. You know, like celebrities, you know, doing whatever. I don't know, like a Martha Stewart knife or kitchen set. I would love to see a Bill Shooty edition of Five Hour Energy. <laughs> like, it's, oh, it's a different flavor. <laughs> Shit. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's More not like different from the normal taste. Bill Shitty. <laughs> How is that not more of a thing? <laughs> Bill Shitty. That's the first time I've ever heard that, and that's hilarious. Yeah, I used to call him Thank Shitty you. Shooty all the time. What the uh, fuck? That like really just I that sparked joy in my sixteen-year-old self <laughs> so much. Well, he he tried to like popularize the whole like shooty on duty thing, yeah. which <laughs> I, that's just like the dumbest fucking yeah. thing you can do. That also, that's 
sparks joy in my 16 year old heart because it just reminds me of like those days of watching like Family Guy where it was funny to make duty jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh god, that's funny. Oh man, yeah. I wish he was like a teenager and I was so I could have bullied him. Uh, <laughs> I hope that Dana Nessel prosecutes him for that <laughs> slogan. <laughs> um, sir, this is a criminal offense. Blink victims, you're gonna have to wait. <laughs> So, uh, moving on from Michigan stuff to the most recent congressional shit show, uh, the U.S. House just passed a resolution denouncing anti-Semitism and many other forms of hatred uh, yesterday. Many, many forms. Many, many forms. Um, this was because of Charlottesville, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> This is only for the Democrats. Like, this does not concern the Republicans at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, this comes after days of internal clashing in the Democratic Party over whether um, Congress member Elon Omar was being unfairly targeted for comments she made about Israel and supporters of Israel. Um, we're, we're God damn it, we're just rehashing everything that we just went over like a couple weeks ago. Like, it's the same bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, her, you know, making comments about things that are absolutely true. She was not wrong, and people just losing her, sh losing their shit over it. Um, and now we have to go back to the same conversation about whether or not she's being anti-Semitic. Um, and so they passed this resolution, which was originally supposed to rebuke her in particular, even though it did not name her, it was specifically aimed at Ilan Omar, but after like the more progressive base of the Democratic Party and like other leftist uh, activists like started pushing them, they were like, okay, fine, we'll include other stuff too. <laughs> and okay, yes, racism is bad too, whatever. Yeah, like, I, I guess, like, Islamophobia isn't cool either. Whatever. Yeah, and, you know, on the other the other face of this coin, on this issue, there are um, plenty of conservative and orthodox Jews who were still offended um, by the resolution because they felt as if um, other forms of hate had kind of hijacked the main topic, which was supposed to be about anti-Semitism. So they felt that it was another slight that not only did she get, you know, publicly, she never ended up getting publicly smeared by the Democrats, but then also they couldn't even just condemn anti-Semitism on its own. They had to also include other forms of hate. Yeah. So it is, um, Jewish Twitter is just off the rails right now. Yeah. Um, and it has been an interesting last two weeks to be in the Jewish community and to be um, in the left of the Jewish community. Um, I was accused of uh, being a self-hating Jew or a, a left-wing troll. Yeah. Uh, which I love, you know, I love having to, uh, find, find something in my house to photograph to prove that I'm actually Jewish. Wow. Uh, I mean, I didn't do that. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to prove to some... Yeah, where's your Star of David? Yeah. You know, people do the identity politics, and you see it uh, really especially in, in the Jewish community. Um, and every time I hear people say that, you know, every people's rebuke is usually like, oh, I, don't, I left my Jewish card at home. You know what I mean? But yeah. all that I hear when people ask Jewish people to prove that they're Jewish because maybe their last name isn't Ashkenazi enough, or their hair isn't curly it enough. It doesn't they're end not, in Berg. Or Stein. Yeah. Um, 
It just sounds like you're supposed to have your star, David Allen. Oh my god, mm-hmm. is Jill Stein Jewish? <laughs> Fuck, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> That's just another thing for people to like triple parentheses online, and I'm not ready for it. Another cross <laughs> that the community has to bear. Mm-hmm. Oh, that works on a couple levels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to take away from this conversation, but I also get like being a mixed person. I also get like, oh, you're you're not black enough, or you're not white enough, and I'm like, okay, do I need to like cut my skin, show you what it's like? You want to see my natural hair? Like, what what is the barrier here? Like, and I want you to Michael Jackson. You have to be black for half your life, and then white for the half other half your life. You know, you gotta go on and off. No, it is constantly sorry, but there is constantly that like. um gatekeeping. Yes. Like, oh no, you're not the real thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're a poser. Uh you, you know, you don't have you don't like the deep cuts of racism. <laughs> and even like coming full circle to this conversation, I feel like some most of the establishment Democrats are kind of gatekeeping what you know, what racism and anti Semitism can be and we're like, no, she's just trying to criticize and have a discussion about something like you can't automatically just say she's an anti-Semite because she wants to have a discussion about money and politics for this specific group. Yeah. And I feel like that's all they're doing. I mean, that was, that was basically part of Bernie Sanders response, which I thought, I mean, was decent. You know, she, well, he basically said, um, that, you know, criticism of Israel and anti-Semitism are not necessarily the same thing. And it's unfair to equate the two. Um, and that, you know, I'm afraid that this is being used as a way to stifle the conversation around the U.S.'s support for the Israeli occupation. Mm-hmm. God, I'm so glad that uh, Bernie is a Jew or else he would be getting the carbon treatment. He still is. He I mean, does. honestly, he still absolutely is. Which, yeah, no. yeah. yeah, like you call me anti-Semite and it's just like... Like the fact that you're calling a man whose dad like literally escaped the Holocaust an anti-Semite is just like wow. It's they're it's, all self-hating. It's like weaponizing yeah. identity Israel. politics for just internalized political like goal, and it's like you're using these people. You're not like trying to like defend them, and it's just like disgusting. I had um a long conversation about this with my rabbi on Wednesday, and um. It's interesting because coming from a reconstructionist shul, um, you're going to find a lot of, um, far left Jews and leftist liberal Jews. Um, the majority of American Jews in the United States, um, they are not in support of the occupation. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. American Jews and Israeli Jews, there has been a disconnect for decades with these communities, and American Jews are not in favor of the occupation, largely. Yeah. But that being said, and this is not so that I can speak on behalf of the Jewish community, because I am not Ashkenazi, um, there were things that, in my opinion, Ilan Omar said, that were tone deaf and that were vaguely anti-Semitic. Yeah. I am of the belief that she did not intend to say it. That did still does not mean that what she said wasn't anti-Semitic. She stuck her foot in her mouth and she said something that was hurtful to a community that she has a disconnect from because it's not a community that she's from. And I don't think that she had exposure to 
that's fine. It was okay for her to be wrong. And she, like she said, I believe her when she says she met with um, Jewish allies and she spoke with them and she understood what she had said and she apologized. And I accepted that. And plenty of Jewish people accepted that. What disgusts me is that Nancy Pelosi, who is Catholic, definitely not Jewish in any way, is still using the American Jewish population as a pawn to push a pro-occupation, pro-Israeli agenda, and there is definitely a tinge of of Islamophobia, in my opinion, again, uh, for why she's doing this. It is so much easier for them to point the finger definitely at a black woman, absolutely at a Muslim woman, and say that you're being anti-Semitic. And people are going to believe you when you tell someone that a Muslim woman or a Muslim person, period, is being anti-Semitic. Yeah. I think um, it it really uh, shows to Goya that identity politics is something that can be used by anyone against anyone and you know the more conservative part of the democratic party is demonstrating that very well and i mean you know like the orthodox and all of like the actually extremely conservative jews are you know very eager to take up that mantle of well you just spent like the last however many years talking about how important this is so why aren't you doing something about it there yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, and in talking to my dad, it's like, I think that the, the thing that gets annoying with the, or at least to me is very annoying with the whole discussion is, you know, the equation of criticism of Israel with uh, anti-Semitism. And I think that, you know, and lots of, lots of Jews, people that I know, you know, don't want to wipe Israel off the map. But, you know, they believe in the right of Israel to exist, and they also don't believe that the settlements should be happening, that, you right. know, they should be ghettoizing Palestinians. And, you know, I don't think that that should have to be you know, the kind of thing where you said, oh, well, you know, I I believe that Israel has a right to exist, but I think that blah, 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 blah is bad. You know, it's like in the Bush era, and especially the first half, where, you know, the Democrats could not say anything about the war. You know, like, okay, we, we support the troops. We just think that, like, Abu Ghraib isn't great, but we support the troops. Yeah. Like, you know, fuck that. Fuck the troops. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% agree with you. There's that kind of, there's the mutual exclusivity that people think that, um... Any outward signs of um, Jewishness and also any outward signs of, like, supporting the right of Israel to exist is, like, tacit support of the occupation. Um, And that's not fair. Similarly, um, outward... 
outwardly saying that you think the occupation is wrong is also not the same thing as anti-Semitism. I think what muddied the waters in this topic was that she did initially say anti-Semitic things. The language was... The language was wrong. Mm -hmm. It was wrong. It invoked anti-Semitic tropes. It did. You know, yeah. um, but what she what she was trying to say wasn't anti-Semitic. She said it in an anti-Semitic way, um, but it has divulged into this entire thing where now they're calling her, you know, this anti-Semite. I don't think she is. I think she was just ignorant of the language that she was using. So I had two things that I was thinking of in regards to this. One, I was very disappointed with. Um, you know, on Chapo and in uh, leftist Twitter, the reaction to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's statements, where she got oof, just fucking nailed. Yeah. Yeah. She got hard. She yeah. got fucking dragged. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. And, and you know, honestly, her stance, um, and, you know, in, in, like, the article that you sent, uh, you know, they referred to her multiple times as like Ilan Omar's strongest defender. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that she responded exactly the right way. Like, you know, like, yes, there is something that we can talk about here because anti-Semitism is real. And, you know, anti-Semites do say things about Israel. And so you can't just say, you know, you can't hide behind that. But you cannot equate the two just uh, blanketly. And, you know, we should listen to the community, but at the same time, blah, blah, blah. They're, you know, valid concerns, and we all know what she said. I think that it's uh, really disappointing to see the way that that was... Uh, very reactionary. Yeah. Very yes. reactionary. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest problems I see with the left... Um, is that on some of these like more controversial uh, issues where um, you know po these leftist politicians, um, whether it be uh, Ilan Omar or Bernie or AOC, where they don't necessarily have a full connect with the community that they're not necessarily representative of, you see leftists get super reactionary. So like you know on that issue, you see that or like Bernie on reparations, for instance, you see like white leftists just getting like super reactionary, and it's like we have to understand that these people aren't god figures. Um, they're great, but they also do make mistakes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that comes with also, you have to understand that people are able to grow. You have to be able to understand that these people are able to grow. Um, and, and I think by taking a more nuanced approach, and like you had said, um, <clears throat> understanding that these people make mistakes, and but also knowing that there's a way for them to like speak to the communities and learn from those mistakes, we have to be able to do that for our representatives. Otherwise... Yeah, to invoke um, a wonderful platitude that gets thrown around a lot, there has to be room to grow. But actually, there does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's really no point in discussing um, identity politics and you know racism and homophobia and whatnot if the goal is to essentially say like, um, you tweeted no homo in two thousand three, so. You need to go. You're move. canceled. Yeah, you're canceled. <laughs> you're gonna. You you need to go move to the Sahara Desert or something. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did to Ilan as well. They pulled tweets that she had posted in 2012, which were absolute. Yeah. I mean, uh, they made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? I read those and I was like, sheesh. Well, you know what's happening with her? Of course, people um, are considering her. 
anti-Semitic because yeah. what she said was anti-Semitic. Yeah, um, hypnotizing or whatever. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and it, it's just the same trope that you've seen her use in her current. You know, that they control the world. The Jews are, like, behind the curtain, and they're pulling the strings, which is just... Not a good look. Yeah, and it's it's truly... What's truly upsetting about it, um, for me as well, is that this is what the capitalists want you to think, and for centuries, mm. capitalists, whether it was, you know, before the Alhambra Decree in fucking Spain, back in the 1400s, when it was the pogroms in the 1200s, you know, um, the capitalists, the people who were the head of those um, communities... They always put the Jews straight in between the peasant class and them. And they can always say yeah. the Jews are the ones who have all the money because of um, different religious laws that kept Catholics and Protestants from handling money. So yeah, the Jews were the ones who handled the money. And then they could say, look, they're the ones with the money. They're why you're starving. And these pilgrims came in and they would wipe these Jewish communities off the map. There has to be an understanding that when you see those knee-jerk reactions from the Jewish community, it is because of centuries and centuries of generational trauma that they have in all of them. All Jewish people have it. Black pe- Black Americans have it as well. If you're a part of a diaspora, there is that sort of generational trauma that you carry with you. So when you see that, you they're not thinking... I'm sure that Ilan Omar is going to start like some big pogrom, but they are thinking <laughs> this is the language that has started pogroms, and right. that's wrong. I think that on that point... It is absolutely in the interest of the status quo and capitalists to to divide up, you know, the left and to to divide up, you know, anyone who is, you know, the working class trying to be oppressed because it's a lot easier to control someone when they're just, you know, like a bunch of little factions instead of unified. And I remember hearing a story about how the caste system in India was virtually gone by the time that the British came and, you know, made it a a real colony. And what they did is they, um, you know, kind of brought it back. They, like, spread the, uh, you know, they republished Indian texts on the caste system. They really spread it around and encouraged it to, you know, come back and flourish in, like, full, insane form. And that it, you know, it does put, you know, everyone who is on the lower tier, there is someone directly above you who is an Indian who is just the reason you're being held down. Mm-hmm. It's not the person above them. And, you know, it's a disgusting, brilliant political strategy. I agree. Like, yeah. yeah. It's Absolutely. The, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the Hispanics that are taking our jobs. It's like the... Exactly. It's always, it's always trying to divide people and, and put a certain marginalized... Um, group of people as the reason and not the capitalist class. And it's definitely a discussion when you talk about um, Palestine and Israel. I mean, yeah. who was running that area? It was British-mandated Palestine. Mm. And I know the late Amos Oz, who was a Jewish-Israeli um, 
poet and writer, he had said, um, you know, Israelis and Palestinians, they, you know, are these countries, Palestine and Israel were the same two countries from the same father. And the father was Great Britain. And instead of looking at that mean, abusive father and saying, look what you've done to us, they look at each other and they can only see their father in each other's eyes. So instead of looking at the father, they're looking at each other as the enemy. I think that that's very poignant. And it was so true. And, you know, now that is, you know, American Jews have to prove that they are disconnected from Israeli Jews and now we've got this big problem where it's like, look, Israeli Jews don't speak for us, but they still have a right to exist. And now we're on this, you know, this conversation and it's, I mean, it's exhausting, but it's necessary. We have to have these conversations. I think it's good that it is being had. I just wish that the tone wasn't so hysterical. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's inane. It is completely, you know, and something that I was thinking about today, um, and not to be like, oh, well, if she's anti-Semitic, what about blah, blah, blah? Because, you know, that kind of reeks to me of like the, okay, well, what about black on black crime? I also, I 100% agree. Yeah, I'm tired of seeing that as well. And what I was thinking is like, okay, so to rehash what we've said, you know, you can be a criticizer of Israel and not be anti-Semitic. You can be anti-Semitic and criticize Israel. But it also goes the other way, that you can be, you know, like the most Jew-loving person in the world and support Israel because of that. But there are a lot of people that... You know, the Orthodox especially make their bedfellows who are very anti-Semitic supporters of Israel. Yeah. And yeah. I saw know, that. It was like, uh, there's two things that Republicans hate. It's anti-Semites and Jews. Yeah. <laughs> and it reminds like, me. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, it's true. That's, they, want, they want the Holy Land to be protected. And then once, you know, <laughs> uh, the Messiah comes back, all the Jews go to hell. Yeah. And they're okay with that. They're, you we'll know. take that. Thanks. It's true. We'll take over from here. It all comes down to capitalism. As I say, every podcast, every problem in the world <laughs> has always come back to capitalism, and you cannot convince me otherwise. No, there, was, there was this really good tweet from... Uh from uh, Kate Aronoff, who I think run, writes for Jacobin sometimes. Um, she tweeted this New York Times article that the headline was, what if all the world's economic woes are part of the same problem? Research suggests <laughs> research suggests that the that challenges aren't a series of single strands, but a spider web of them. And Kate Aronoff said, congratulations to the New York Times for discovering capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and it took them long to realize... Yeah. I wanted to shift the conversation just a little bit, staying, you know, mostly staying on topic here. Um, you know, this, this resolution that got passed, um, yesterday, um, comes just like literally a week after this report that was released by the UN Human Rights Council. I don't know if you guys heard about this or not. Uh, it was looking into, uh, Israel's response to the Great March of Return demonstrations that were launched by Palestinians in Gaza nearly a year ago, uh, targeting Israel's heavily militarized separation barrier. Um, and the report found that Israeli forces have killed 183 Palestinians, almost all of them with live ammunition. The dead include 35 children, 
Uh, 23,000 uh, 23, people were injured, including over 6,000 shot by live ammo. Um, okay, but that's what Hamas wants you to <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that. It, uh, it doesn't surprise me. I think that I had just seen, I should have um, I should have screenshotted so that I would have the source, but I think it was either last month or within a month. Um the IDF had shot and killed 14, I think, Palestinian children. Okay. Um, and it's... <laughs> what can you say? I mean, honestly, it's, it's, why, it's, it's why we don't support... Sickening. Yeah, it's why we don't support the occupation. You know what I mean? And it's a very large open-air prison. You know, I hear people say that all the time. Yeah. I mean, it truly is. They're getting they're getting away with that. You know, Palestinian kids throw rocks at fucking armored tanks, and the IDF responds like they just bazooka the tank. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people forget, like when they talk about like other countries, as like they have elections too, and they also have left and right wing like representatives. And like, let's be real, Netanyahu is like really far right. I mean, he's like there's a reason that he's like buddy buddy with like Trump and Bolsonaro. And there's a like, reason why so many Israelis that are leftists are leaving Israel. Because um, of it's that. because of the, and it, that leaves Israel open to just moving further right and further right and more theocratic and it's a big that is a big issue that's a whole other topic um but the israeli political system it is a little different because it isn't two parties so there are left wing parties and there are right wing parties but um their politics are a little different but you see that the the right is more powerful yeah. all of the right parties are yeah. very powerful and all of these jews who lived in the you know european diaspora they're moving back Right. to Berlin. They're moving back to Canada. They're moving back to the United States. They're like reverse aliying. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was thinking about uh, how, I mean, I think Elon Omar is just a bomb thrower. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do I, I don't know if you guys saw this. Like, like uh, um, <laughs> God, was that like an Islamophobic joke? She's, she's Jeff. Um, well, what would the, 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 the GOP in uh, West Virginia certainly Ooh, think that she was oh, Wow, yeah, that was... She's that flying was... the plane of controversial <laughs> ideas into the Tower of Conversation. Holy fuck! <laughs> That is literally the like American Muslim version of Black Ice robbed me of my balance from Key and Peel. That's literally what that is. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Elon Omar says Obama's hope and change was a mirage, recalling the caging of kids and the droning of countries. Uh, around the world on Obama's watch. She argues he operated within the same broken framework as Trump. I am certainly not looking to be comfortable. I don't want everyone necessarily to feel comfortable around me. I'm okay with taking the blows if it means the night conversations that no one was willing to have before. I love her so yeah. much. Yeah, I love it. She is. So yeah, I mean, I think she's made some mistakes, oh um, but she's I think amazing. that these are also important conversations that we wouldn't be having without those mistakes. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. her mistake was truly the catalyst to get people to start talking about, well, to start really talking about it, you know? I mean, when's the last time that you've seen people talk about... Um, Israel and what anti-Semitism actually means, and that as well on this scale, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I feel like us far left people talk about these things all all the time. It's just like the other people who who are starting to join the conversation. Yeah, it's important. It's important, and I think that it's important for people to go out and make Jewish friends, go out and make Muslim friends, and you know, hear those opinions. I guess it doesn't really work for Jewish friends. What is the saying that if um. 
if two Jewish people were stranded on a desert island, they'd build three synagogues, one for each of them, and one they both of them would never be caught dead in. So, you know, when you consider when you consider the Jewish narrative, there isn't one. I think that the uh, Americans really want for there to be a homogenized Jewish community um, in this country, and there's really not. So I guess just, you know, broaden your horizon and get opinions that you agree with and listen to opinions that you don't agree with. You need to have that defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we can take away from this, I guess. That's a good summarization. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like now would be an appropriate time to go on to the next story. So, uh, you know, uh, Sacramento police arrested 84 people uh, this last Monday night after protesters marched through the city, um, uh, through uh, East Sacramento to protest to protest uh, the district attorney's decision not to bring criminal charges against the officers who shot and killed Stefan Clark last March. Uh, the people who were arrested included a pastor, uh, Les Simmons, who is a prominent figure in actions around um, the Stefan Clark protests. Other clergy members were also arrested, as were college students who were part of a group that recently held a sit-in protest uh, that shut down the Arden Fair Mall. Um, at least three report- local reporters were also detained. So this march comes, you know, just a couple days after the district attorney for Sacramento, uh, Anne Marie Schubert, announced that she would not file criminal charges against the two police officers who killed Stefan Clark, who's a 22-year-old unarmed black man who was fatally shot after police chased him into his grandmother's backyard. FTP. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Fucking ACAB, dude. Are we surprised? I also think that it's... um, I, I don't know if you had mentioned it, but the neighborhood in Sacramento that they had marched through was like a really affluent, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, well-to-do. Yeah. And uh, there were people... I thought it was really funny in an article that I had read, uh, residents of that neighborhood that were like, we don't like this riffraff and whatever, whatever. But they were like, but we don't want to be mean. Which is um just leads yeah. <laughs> which just leads me to believe that they were all like you know they, they probably vote blue but they're just racist. They voted for Hillary. In they the voted primary. for yeah they you know but they the two thousand eight primary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but I think that it's um it was really hopeful that there were lots of East Sacramento residents who were like fuck yeah man we're gonna like uh, you know kind of like uh, out of the homes and into the streets this and there were tons of residents in East Sacramento who came down and <laughs> I bet you that they are the ones who keyed the cars <laughs> like oh my god I can finally get back at that fuck I didn't hear that there were there were that's, that's supposedly why the police were called or why why the police yeah, they're like, oh, well, there was vandalism of uh, oh, property. And... That's code of their colored people around. So yeah, yeah, it's a nice complaint. Quotations. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was mimicking them. <laughs> yeah, you can't see that. You can't yeah, see that. sorry. I, I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> yeah, no, but 
it's um it was really this was a sad case too because they tried their damnedest um to villainize Stefan Clark. Um they had they had released texts of his um, Well as they do with every shooting of an iron on black kid. Yeah, and they um they had brought I guess some some domestic assault or abuse um things against his fiance, um, who was the mother of his I think it was two two children or something like that. Um, it was, I mean, but like, I felt like it was almost worse than we've seen since Mike Brown. I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen a community smear a slain person uh, unarmed like this since the Darren Wilson, Mike Brown shooting. The city council meeting was, yeah. 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 Did you guys see that video? Uh, yeah. I cried. Yeah. That was amazing. That was very emotional. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't, who hasn't seen the video, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but uh, yeah, actually, it just, it fucking erupted it, because, well, like, uh, Stefan Clark's cousin, like, he got up on a podium and just started chanting, and the police tried to, tried to grab him, but, like, you know, other protesters, like, gathered around him and yes. protected him from the cops. That was just amazing to see. Yeah. The, yeah, the thing that was actually just the most uh, breathtaking to me, I mean, you know, not to undermine the disgusting loss of human life it was the releasing the texts and um you know like whatever information um from the phone because i don't know has that happened in you know some of these previous shootings because i know that they're like oh well you know um he had a a, a marijuana possession charge like, or he um he listened to a lot of hip-hop music and his facebook profile pictures had lyrics no they broke into that one dude's apartment down in texas the one where the uh the female cop that was off duty like shot shot him oh, that's true. They broke into his apartment and like was like oh he's got weed and it's like he didn't even have a warrant to get in the goddamn place and like you're breaking in to smear man you murdered yeah 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 gotta love it you know they're going the extra mile <laughs> and i thought it was interesting Benny, when you had talked about the allies who had um surrounded stefan clark's cousin when he had jumped on the podium um because you had you had specifically used the term like they were protecting him from the cops mm-hmm. they were protecting him from the cops protect who are employed to protect and serve us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the reality, you know, every day for black Americans. It's the reality for parents of black male children um, that a lot of people just take for granted that the police do protect and serve them, but not everyone. They protect and serve if you live in the right zip code. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And that was not the East Sacramento zip code. They were like, yeah, we're protecting this group from this group. And as the police have become more and more militarized and will presumably continue to since, you know, there's no end to the uh, zealotry of the militarism in this country, um, you know, I think that we're looking at the police becoming more and more dangerous to more and more people, you know, um, which is obviously not to take, um, you know, to water down the experience of black Americans and people of color in this country. But I remember the horrifying video that came out of that guy, the white guy who was shot in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That, you know, it made me so sick. Yeah. 
to, to watch it. Um, and I know that there was also just video released of police tasing a man for, I can't remember, an obnoxious amount of time. Um, he hadn't done anything wrong. He was in like the passenger seat of a vehicle and it was, it was like a white guy, uh, in front of his children. Um, and so you're starting to see that the, the, the lines now are starting to get blurred. You are seeing that, um, uh, the, the power get to their heads that, um, that, what was it, the psychological experiment that they did yeah. in, in San Francisco or wherever it was where they, Stanford, the Stanford prison yeah. experiments. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of starting to see that now where instead of it being like, you know, people are no. brought up, they're conditioned to see black bodies as more criminal than white bodies. Now they're just starting to see non-badged bodies as criminal. And if you have a badge and you have the power to take life, you have the power to use excessive force. And since they are so militarized, it kind of is like they're playing like, we're all prisoners game. in, their playground. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. You, I mean, you, the Native American community is used to it. They are targeted um, very highly by the police. The African American community is very used to it. Um, minority communities, um, the gay community, the trans community as well. So now that it's starting to, um, it's starting to seep into those, uh, white communities, especially in like rural or lower income with the criminalization of drugs instead of the rehabilitation of the white, um, communities that are facing that we're going to, I think that we're going to, hopefully it is my distinct hope. We're going to see less militarization because of course, you know, as we know to the government, white bodies and white lives are more valuable than black lives. Yeah. So if we keep seeing this trend going up, hopefully we will see um, white people taking to the streets with BLM now that it is affecting yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like, uh, you know, those people have that uh, stupid little blue line like flag and they're cool with it until they realize that like cops won't step over that line for like, you have like that. And then like, yeah. oh shit. You know. And I mean, it, when you consider, especially us like living in Lansing and living in the greater Lansing area, Devin Guilford was also shot seven times and he was what, 17 years old mm-hmm. when that happened. And he was a young white kid who lived in Grand Ledge, which is, um, a suburb of the greater Lansing area. Jesus. And he was shot seven times unarmed. And it was, you know, his only crime, if you listen to the recording, which I did, and it was heart wrenching. He was just like a teenage kid who was talking back to the cop because he did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's, that changed the conversation in this area for the white community of what over-militarization and over-policing looks like. The ability for, you know, to, to kill a person because they disrespected you or, you know, like, can that even be called resisting arrest? Um... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it could be legally, but you know, that is just so mind boggling when you like really get down to the essence of like, they can kill you if they don't feel that you are, you know, licking their boots exactly as shiny as they like them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And this like disengagement that white folks have, like both of my parents were police officers. And so most of my family members have those blue line things like on their cars. And I'm like, you know, like this is, this doesn't apply to like me and my sister who looks like me. Like we don't get this kind of thing. And they're like, Oh, well you just don't have to talk back to the police. And like, 
what if we did nothing wrong? Like, you're getting defensive yeah. talking to me about this. Try, like, being in that experience. And they're like, well, well, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well. So I you don't have a good argument for that. Yeah, I recently stopped at a car accident. I witnessed a really bad car accident. Um, a, like, a, like, a 19-year-old girl had gotten T-boned. And I was just on my way to the gym. But um, <clears throat> I couldn't just drive past, so I stopped. And I pulled over, and I went over to the car. And um, I, the girl had called 911 on her phone. And I was like, she was like, you know, rightfully hysterical in her car. And I was like, I'm just going to stay with you until the cops come. Uh-huh. And, well, until the ambulance came was what I had told her. And the cops were, of course, the first on the scene, as they almost always are. And when the cops came and they U-turned and they pulled over to the cop, or to the, her car, I dead ass put my hands in the air. <laughs> Why did I do that? You had no reason the to. The cops, I sat with a teenage girl who had been hit by a car, and I made, I wanted to make sure that the ambulance didn't drive past her, and I put my hands up, and the cop pulled up to me. There was no reason for me to have done that. I'm sorry, that's not funny at all. It's hilarious now, but I remember putting my hands in the air, and then I put them back down on her vehicle, like, what the fuck am I doing? That's just the reality for for black Americans. Like you said, we're not going to get that same treatment. Mm -mm. We're not. It's like white folk at the airport. They're like, I don't see any problems with security at all. And then like every Muslim person's like off on the side like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. And all the people. It's like, it's not like just like white, blind, like just they don't, they don't see it and they don't face it. They don't like think like that can happen to like them or like, so it's like they don't empathize with it at all. Yeah, exactly. There's that lack of empathy. Everyone else is born with it, and there's just, like, a lot of sociopaths, I guess. I don't think that, you know, random searches are really that big of a deal. I mean, I've never been randomly searched. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no shit you haven't. Right, of course. Y'all the ones with fucking meth in y'all's houses. (laughs) You should be. Ask your one black friend that you have. Right. Well, we got we got to wrap up here, but uh, I figured that we would do so on uh, you know a more positive note. Um, so when you know when the two uh, largest pri- uh, private prison operators in America, uh, Core Civic and Geo Group, uh, they have been for a long time uh, been financed by uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, the massive fucking bank, and uh, after. Um, after a long campaign, um, led mostly by Make the Road New York, uh, the Center for Popular Democracy, and New York Communities for Change, uh, J.P. Morgan finally announced that uh, they would stop financing private prisons. Kudos Good to the organizers, like for real. Yeah, yeah, seriously, this wouldn't have happened without them. Um, I know that the two thirds of immigrants in the United States are being held in privately operated detention centers, and that are that well that were being funded by uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. So it's um, it's great to know that's not going to happen anymore because they were ICE was getting a lot of its funding from J.P. Morgan Chase to put those two thirds of immigrants into um, custody. So it's uh, it's going to be great to not have uh, the Gestapo funded by that anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious who the, who the next like racist bank is. Like, well, as far as like, yeah. we'll do it. Oh, um, there, I think they that they did so mention that there were some other banks that Wells Fargo, um, Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Yeah. They both uh, invested? Yeah. Wells Could Fargo is well, reducing right. its relationship. Okay. Well, so, uh, wonderful. Wonderful. Right. <laughs> 
Right, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see what the fuck that means. I'll change. be interested to see what half is. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, I'm interested to see what half is. We're going to reduce our budget by uh, $2. <laughs> right. That was a decrease, though. Yeah. <laughs> we're reducing our relationship uh, to uh, friends with benefits. Yeah, it's like it's, it's complicated on Facebook. Yeah. It's, it's complicated on Facebook. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, we give them money, but, you know, like, not, not in public. It's complicated. Exactly. <laughs> this was kind of if the what was it? The Department of Homeland Security had a whistleblower. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, they had a whistleblower, an anonymous whistleblower who actually just like told. Um, I think it was like a San Diego uh, journalist about this. Yeah, we it was would like not NBC have San Diego. I think. Yeah. So it was like, oh no, that was that was for. Um, that was for the tracking of the oh, the photojournalists, yeah, and lawyers, yeah, on a uh, you know uh, appropriately cynical note. I am very happy about this, but you know, I have one more reason why uh, you know we should be breaking up the banks. Because then we won't have to worry about what um, reducing a relationship means to Wells Fargo in terms of the, uh, you know, captivity of who, I don't know how many people. Yes, human beings in general. Yeah. The largest prison population in the world. It's, yeah, it's really frightening. Um, and it's frightening because, you know, what people are able to get away with in the detention centers, we already know now it's, it's been fast. There's a vast amount of things that people have been able to get away with, um, not only to um, adults, but to children. And I mean, I personally, I feel like these banks should be held accountable because they were, you know, allowing yeah. the, the, you know, with their funding, they're allowing these things to not only happen, but to continue yeah. happening. They need to be held accountable for those crimes. My goal is to convince the right that uh, this, like, ice, like, sexual assault of children's the real Pizzagate, so that they actually, like, give a shit about it, because, like, I feel like that's the only way we're going to get anywhere with this. Yeah. yeah. Apparently. You need to hit up Q. Yeah. <laughs> Just post it on Q and the, the real Pizzagate is ice. <laughs> I'm joking about on Reddit. People would eat that shit up on oh, Reddit or something fuck. like that. But you know people have been people have been changing their allegiances. I know Ben had just showed me uh one of the fuck is that cunt's name? Uh Geraldo. Oh Geraldo Rivera? Yeah. Oh, oh my god, who woke him up? He said in a, like a radio interview or something that he actually made a trip to, to Palestine uh, and he saw the mistreatment of Palestinians by the IDF and he was like, holy shit. This is so much worse than I thought it was. Yeah, he was, he was like, he completely Whoa. used, you know, and it's, it's one thing, you know, I want to be like, oh my God, that's so good. He's, he went to, yeah. he met brown people and now he realizes <laughs> that real and, you know, but like, at the same time, I'm like, that nigga have internet too. <laughs> Kirsten Gillibrand, like, being called out for, like, her racist bullshit, like, when she was, like, uh, when she was, like, a state rep in New York or something, and then everyone's, like, 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 journalists are asking her, like, so, what made you change your mind? Yes. She's like, I went down to Harlem or I something like that. I went to the Bronx. I went to the Bronx. I went to the Bronx. I met Cardi B. I went to the Bronx. I went to the Bahia. And I met the people, and I know I was on 
the streets. They got me hoop earrings. I'm just changed now. That's literally it. Like, first of all. Speaking with the accent. You, <laughs> you know damn well she went there and she was like the roll them up. <laughs> like, she is not mingling with people in the Bronx. I refuse to believe it. Like uh, Hillary doing the whip and Nene on Ellen. And telling people on oh, the Breakfast God. Club that she kept hot sauce in her purse after Beyonce came out with formation. Actually. I was and one of the one of the one of the people on the radio show was like, "Don't you think that African Americans are going to hear that and they're going to think that you're pandering?" And she but goes, "Is it working?" Is it working? I oh my god! No, I missed that girl. Shit. She said that shit, and then she wondered why she lost. I, every every day, every day I wake up and I wish that nothing. Uh, that nothing in this reality that we exist in is real. <laughs> Yo, March 2016 was so great. Like, Bernie was like taking ass and taking names. I think it was what? It was three years ago today that he won the Michigan primary. It was yeah. three years ago. Yeah. Uh, yesterday or whatever. And I was like, well, today's, going uh, today's the eighth. Yeah. yeah, I was like, going through my days. I remember that night really well. We were in the basement of the Green Door watching watching it, and, like, CNN called it for Bernie here in Michigan. We all lost our fucking shit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Man, we were... That was a different so time. Young. So hopeful. So, so hopeful. <laughs> oh, man. That's sad. I actually did read, um, like, a... 2014 article in the New York Times where they were talking about Hillary's uh, hot sauce <laughs> that she yeah. carries Tabasco with her. Um, so, you know, technically true, but still, Tabasco. 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 Is the the hot? whitest hot sauce. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I disagree, yeah. Franks. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Franks Red Hot is the shit. Though. I mean, yeah. it's good. If, if it was the, Franks Red Frank. Hot, she would have won the black. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I was gonna say like, oh, sriracha is probably the whitest, but and like just for the oh, history. Very unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Very unfortunately. Yeah, it's, no, the it's so good, and yet you know, so quickly, it's like. Sriracha flavored vodka and sriracha flavored flavored mayonnaise. That's how you know that it's a white backed <laughs> sauce. Right. They have sriracha flavored mayonnaise. I uh, I really <laughs> I really enjoy <laughs> sriracha. It's really unfortunate that it's been ruined by these goddamn white people. Everything gets ruined. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, white people. Fuck. Well, but yeah, I was trying to end this on a on a positive <laughs> note here. We uh, we not went a little off the rails, but that's okay. We're just we're gonna we we're we're way over time here. Fuck private prisons. Fuck private prisons. Absolutely. Fuck mayonnaise. Fuck, <laughs> fuck mayonnaise. Fuck, fuck the police. Fuck the police. Absolutely. Um, so. So once again, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this week and listening to this episode. You can find us on Facebook at Michigan Progressive. Uh, if you want to give us your money and help us uh, do more things, you can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please rate and review us. Uh, I'm Benjamin Klon. Melina Brand. Alexandria Gonzalez. Zachary Reinhardt. And Matthias Rimmer. Great. We'll see, uh, see you all next week. Bye. Bye.